The Space God Memoirs. Season 2, Episode 20 I beheld a scene of glassy towers, reflecting the clear skies in shades of blue, gold, and green. Between them, the paved roads rushed with shiny, mechanized cars, and the skies were alive with ships of various make. Amid the many buildings were verdant parks or lively theaters, shops and banks, museums and arenas, and oh so many people. The city was familiar to me as Kef, but I had never seen it like this. Balnar, I had called it, an old word, distorted by centuries. Here it was Baladnaris, capital of the newly united world, center of industry and invention, and it was home. My awareness pulled away from Kef once more, my point of view transitioning into a young female body, soft, girlish, barely out of her childhood. Janessa Vrie sat with her petite body pressed into the pilot's seat of a rather familiar ship design. Ahead of her, a translucent window looked out over the open hangar door, giving her a panoramic view of the city below. Her palms were sweaty as they pressed into the twinned hand-shaped indentations to her left and right. This was to be her first real flight. Her test to see if she was indeed worthy to enter Muntaki Labs' piloting program. She looked to her right, where a small group of people waited on the side of the hangar, watching her. A few scientists, technicians, her Vulda instructor from the Sky Force, and of course, her parents. Father was there in his blue official's uniform, complete with the gold pin of his office, standing as upright and proud as ever. Still, he was overseer Tarbul Vree present for his station as much as for his daughter. Their eyes met for an instant as she glanced towards the crowd. His face was stern, but his eyes held love. Father nodded. He had confidence in her abilities, as always. I briefly returned to myself, to Kef. There was another familiar energy to the overseer, to her father. A quiet steadiness, a silent strength. Verge. The surge of recognition poured through me. We three seemed to be following each other through these lives. I wondered what our connection was. Just circumstance or something more? Again, I was brought back to the moment. To Janessa. She matched her father's nod and acknowledged her mother with a slight smile. She also noticed who wasn't there to watch her. Of course, Lenor wouldn't be there, she told herself, despite the kiss they'd shared after the banquet dance. Despite his claims that he'd always love her. Always think about her. Lenor was a part of the social engineering program. She was in the Sky Force. She'd likely never see the boy again. The young pilot pressed her palms fully into the depressions, closing her eyes. Enough drama. She was where she needed to be. Her mind had to stay clear. To remain focused for this. Janessa began the breathing technique they had taught her weeks ago. 
Three breaths in, three breaths out, letting the air flow through her lungs in a circular pattern. The Wulda method, the same one Doc Muntaki had learned from the bug folk. She could feel the buzz of the ship's mind all around her, its unseen cloud bursting with bits of information that would touch the edges of her thoughts as they rose to the surface. It was a tingle on her skin, a headiness that caused her blood to rush and made tears flow in her eyes. Janessa pushed aside an oversized lock of colored green hair, shook her head, and tried to clear her thoughts. Just like before, she told herself, this is the moment I've trained for. Janessa continued the breathing, eyes still closed. In moments, thoughts about the people watching her, of her father and mother, of boys and romance and of everything else, began to fade back into the recesses of her head. A tingly calm surfaced, a sign that the simple meditation was working as intended. Now was the time. She let out a breath, visualizing it going through the palms of her hands and into the ship's sensors. Turn on, she sent the thought with her breath. Janessa opened her eyes once more, the ship's mind surging all around her. As the vessel began to fully activate, her senses expanded too, and within moments she could feel all the wires and computer systems like they were a part of her body, the metallic hull of the starship, a second skin. This felt... good. All the nervousness of the pre-flight was now gone. She was light, unburdened. The shift engine whirred below, its core spinning as it churned with liquid mercury. Janessa was elated. Alive. She willed the ship to lift off the hangar floor. That it did, hovering about a foot above the ground, without a thrust or push. The shift engine at work. She thought about it moving forward, and it did, coasting through the open doors of the hangar bay and out over the cityscape. From here, twelve stories up, even the city looked nice. An orderly collection of fluted towers of silver, all its sectors laid out in patterns across the near-perfect circular shape of Baladnaris itself. From up here, its masses of mid-afternoon traffic even seemed beautiful, like the swarming of an insect's hive or the flow of a river. It was only when you lived down inside it that you could see the ugly parts of the city and all its hustle, bustle, and dugger crap. But from up here, it was beautiful. Those thoughts were familiar, I realized. Kef had similar ones about Ganadria, even about Aruvis. A shot of excitement coursed through Janessa. She was flying, really flying, on her own. She pushed the feelings away, still focusing on her breathing and the ship-mind connection. This was no time to get distracted. Her objective here was simple. Get out of the city, perform a basic shift, and arrive without incident at Muntaki's inner core lab. Kino Bino, she told herself, flying forward. Making sure to keep high, above the traffic of the air cars and the drones, Janessa went up and up, directing her craft over the highest of Baladnurus's towers, watching the familiar buildings drift quickly by. She coasted through the skies, an elation filling her as her thoughts merged with the ship's mind, the neural network in her brain expanding out into the machine's invisible cloud of data. This is the life, she told herself. This is real. This is natural. Ever since she had touched that first lift orb in Doc Muntaki's lab two years back, 
Janessa had felt a connection to this tech. Something that flowed with ease and even intimacy, like she was moving her own body. That's why she was here. Overseer's children didn't typically volunteer for the Sky Force, after all. She'd begun her primary schooling focused on urban planning and statistical analysis. A secure and steady path to success, like her father and mother before her. Now she was piloting a starship. Something she had always thought soldierly, stern-faced girls with ripped muscles did. Not people like her. But these new ships, the shifters, not everyone can even activate them. Maybe about 1% of the population could actually turn one on. With the right training. And only a fraction of those had the reflexes and mental flexibility to do it effectively. She didn't know if it was genetics or something weird and spiritual. But sure as scrag she could fly. Laner had joked that it had to be the result of too many neural-linked games she played as a kid. He didn't take what she was doing seriously. Had told her she was on the wrong path. But the boy had never connected like this himself. He didn't know Scrag. She coasted along through the skies, feeling the rush of flight, the sensations of vertigo and excitement both surging through her. The world spread out below, the clouds drifting over swathes of green parkland and preserves that lay beyond the city, the occasional glimmer of a farm lab's dome standing out amid the greenery. A few of the old factories were visible too, relics of the prior age, now let to grow over with decades of greenery until they looked like natural landmarks. Aruvis was a lovely place from above, with the red mountains rising in the distance, the orange sunlight bathing the land in honeyed photons. Above the great plains south of the city she coasted, beyond view of Baladnaris' suburbs. Soon the land opened up before her into rolling hillsides covered in green and purple grasses, broken by the constant sight of the rail line that led straight from Baladnaris through the central provinces and eventually ended at Port Handamak, the edge of the great southern ocean. She followed the course of that rail for several minutes, zooming quickly over the rail cars and the variety of towns that lay between the capital and her goal. Following the guidance of her ship's mind, Janessa made a sharp left turn at where the railway stopped at a town called Anfo. From there, it wasn't long before all she could see was flatlands, the grassy plains spreading all around her, not a building in sight. The skies above were clear, not another person or vehicle around. This is the spot, she thought. She willed her vessel to stop. It halted instantly, but without inertia, paused in place like the screen of a computer game, perfectly still. Janessa focused on her breathing again, on the pattern of three counts in, three counts out. She knew her heart was still racing, but to perform the shift properly, she had to be calm, focused, in the moment. Janessa stared out at the cerulean skies, taking a breath as she took in the sights of drifting gray clouds tinged in orange hue. She let out a breath and once more focused inward on that number, 0.0023, the special frequency she had to send to the ship's mind, the closest shift in frequency known to be safe. 0.0023.0023.0023. The number dominated her thoughts, Janessa visualizing each digit of it in her mind, as if it were displayed on the screen in front of her. She did so and sent that thought to the ship. 
Moments later, it did appear on the screen before her, displayed in blue lettering on the console. Shift, she thought, as the ship received the frequency. Janessa started to feel a tingling in her gut, a whirring sensation that spread from her center and then outward, enveloping her body and then the entirety of the ship. Outside her window, she began to notice a flickering, the drift in the light that spun about the starship, distorting her view of the planes below and the sky above. The shift was happening. A sinking sensation entered her gut, a brief instant of everything being wrong. Then she looked outward over planes that seemed flat and distant, her proportions not quite right, the skies above looking slightly off-color. Interesting. I was broken out of my focus on Janessa's life by a comment from the unseen Savaharthas, observing along with me. I could feel the Elder Nyar's mind probing the experience, poring over this technology. I wondered what could interest the Nyar here. Wasn't their tech far more advanced than anything made on Aruvis? I was pulled back to the moment, to Janessa. The shift was successful, just like the practice ones in the hangar. .0023 called sub-base by the scientists. This had to be it. It always had that slightly off-brand reality feel, looking just somehow wrong. She felt the familiar tinge of nausea that accompanied the shift. Within moments, it began to fade into her background. She had more to do. That was the first step, the initial shift all pilots were told to do, just as a precautionary measure to make sure they ended up in a known place. But the inner world lab was located deeper still, and it was a part of her test to see if she could make it there. Janessa gulped, stealing herself. She felt that sense of offness creeping up on her again, and as she looked out at the unreal appearing plains and dead skies, it began to grow into a dread that crawled across her skin. For an instant, her eyes were drawn to the off-blue skies on her right. Something was there. Some kind of distortion that seemed to warp the air, like an immense pocket of worms twisting through the sky. As her eyes focused on it, Janessa began to hear it too. A guttural groan just at the edges of her hearing, continuous and sonorous. The distortion in the skies grew ever clearer. A churning mass of tendrils wrapped around and over one another. Was that Bayer tech in the skies? I wasn't sure, but I knew that this was the same frequency I had journeyed to on my own test flight. And the Bayer had certainly been there then. Janessa forced her gaze away. No. She once more resumed the Voldot breathing. This was part of it. She had been told of this. Three pilots had been lost out here and two more had required psychiatric care after dwelling too long in sub-base. She closed her eyes. Then she began visualizing another number. .0012. Down below the baseline, and even this strange reality. She sent the number to the ship, and once more called it to shift. Again the warping in the air, the twisting of light the churning and the spinning. Once more, her scenery shifted, this time significantly. She looked down on a cracked and broken surface, blood red and pocked with craters. The atmosphere above was hazy, but thin. 
the faint outlines of stars visible beyond its reddish haze. Briefly, she paused to wonder at this sight. What was this place? Was it some holy alien dimension? Or a parallel timeline on her own world, utterly bereft of life? Janessa looked out upon a dead planet, a crumbling wasteland of barren rocks, the sunlight faint, civilization utterly absent, like she had just shifted into some lunar nightmare. At the edge of my own awareness, I could feel Sabaharthas too, watching this second shift with rapt attention. Something about it was utterly fascinating to the old glass bird, it seemed. Did the Nair ships even do this whole dimension-shifting thing? My focus moved back to Janessa Vri. No, just like at sub-base, she was not to linger here. The instructors had specifically warned her about that. Instead, she scanned the ground below, both with her eyes and the ship's instruments. There, between the clefts of rock, she saw it clearly. A pit ringed in steel. The entrance to the lab. She directed the vessel towards it, coasting silently into the metal-enforced pit, wide enough for two ships like hers to fit through. As Janessa's craft began floating through the tunnel, she noticed red lighting turning on along the walls, illuminating the lengthy passage before her. Immediately, she recalled the instructions from training. Baseline, she thought, broadcasting the command for her ship to return to ordinary reality. There was no visible change in the metal-reinforced tunnel before her. Everything remained as it was, but Janessa could feel the difference. Once more, her mind registered a semblance of comfort, of familiarity, or at least the lack of the alien strangeness from before, as she drifted through what must have been miles of tunnel, going deeper into the heart of Aruvis. Janessa wondered at the complexity of all of this. She had just used this exotic engine to jump realities multiple times to get here, to Muntaki's top-secret research facility located in a cavern within the honeycombed depths of Aruvis, so secluded there was no physical entrance. Not in baseline Aruvis, at least. The researchers had decided on this location not long after perfecting the shift engine, a laboratory whose entrance could only be reached via their new tech. What secrets required this level of protection? Thank you for listening to this episode of The Space God Memoirs. Space God is written, performed, and produced by A.M. Arctos. Original musical score by Alpha Colors. Various sound effects created by Industrial Strength Records Incorporated. Please support this podcast by following, rating, and sharing on your favorite social media site. For further info on Space God, its creator, and various other opinions, musings, and thoughts, go to www.spacegodmemoirs.com or follow me on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. If you enjoyed the Space God Memoirs, please consider supporting us by becoming a patron. Check out the Patreon link in our description to learn more.